All of us want to be the best version of ourselves, but often things get in the way. We can get in our own way. Knowing what our best looks like is one of the biggest struggles of being the best of you. So I want you to think for a moment as we get started, is there anything in your life that you wished you didn't do? Like, is there anything that you, like an emotion that maybe you wish you didn't feel as much as you feel or, or just an action or a reaction that you just wish you could just stop? It, it, it could be that you just find yourself always talking about other people and, and you just think, man, I really wish that I could just stop gossiping and triangulating and just, I, I wish I could stop doing that. Or maybe it's something like I, you, just, you just eat too much. You, just, you struggle to have self-control when it comes to food. Maybe for you, it's you just struggle because you just keep buying things you can't afford and you just love the exhilaration of like the hunt and like finding a deal and buying something. But you think, oh, I wish I didn't have as much debt from that. Or maybe, maybe you just find yourself working too much. You just think, I wish I could just not work as much as I do. I wish that I could just pull back and, and be more present in life and, and be with the people I care about. Or maybe it might be something that if somebody else found out, it would be an embarrassment for you. Something really, really dark in your life. It might be a hidden habit that you don't want anybody to know about. Maybe for you, it's how much you drink. Maybe for you, it's, it's looking at porn. It might be a secret online life that you have, a secret that you just carry with you that you've never told anybody. You carry it and you feel the weight of it. Maybe for you, it's a secret text message thread that you have that your spouse doesn't know about, that nobody knows about. It's just this hidden life that you have. See, the reality is, no matter what it is, all of us have something that we wish we didn't do. All of us have something that we wish we could stop, no matter how old we get. Temptations, struggles, all, all of that doesn't change. It doesn't go away with age. Maybe it shifts. Maybe it's different than it was for you today than it was a decade ago. But it's something that you wish you didn't do. And maybe it's something that you feel incredible guilt and shame about. Like, like that moment, have you ever done something where afterwards you just thought, all I want to do is take a shower right now because of how disgusting I feel from this. And you wonder, am I ever going to stop? Am I ever going to find freedom from this? Am I ever going to, you come to church and you think, I bet I'm the only one who struggles. I bet I'm the only one who has this hard time. I bet I'm the only one who does this. You wonder, does God accept me? Does God love me? Does God, can God even help me? See, and the thing is, when it comes to temptations, when it comes to the guilt, the shame, the regret, the addictions, the things that we carry around, all of those things go a long way to determining whether or not you become the best of you. And here's why. The best of you, to be the best of you, you have to look at the worst of you. Now, we don't want to do that because we want to talk about the best of you. But to be the best of you, you have to look at the worst of you because the worst of you can keep you from being the best of you. Now, you know this is true because we'll just talk about other people for a moment, okay? Because you know this is true because you've seen this in other people's lives. You've seen other people not become all that they could be because of the worst in them. 
You've seen other people's marriages or careers be destroyed because of the worst of them. The worst of you can keep you from becoming the best of you. And the reality is, is that you and I cannot become all that God wants us to be until we look at all the things that could keep us from it. And the things that can keep us from it are things that we keep hidden, things that we don't talk about. And a big part of that is our temptations. Now, let's be honest for a moment since we're in church together, okay? All of us, all of us have temptations. Every single one of you, okay? Just turn to the person sitting next to you and just say, you have temptations, okay? Just turn to them and tell them, you have temptations, okay? Some of you got a little excited about that. Some of you are a little... You're ready to go with that one. But all of us have temptations. And, and here's the thing, your temptations, your temptations may be exactly the same as they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. You may have the exact same temptation as you did as a high school student, as a college student. It may be the exact same one. Maybe for you, it's one that's just kind of unfolded in your life recently. And you're trying to figure out what to do. But the reality is all of us have temptations. And here's the truth. I don't want you to miss this, okay? This is so, so, so important when it comes to this. Having a temptation doesn't make you a sinner. It just makes you human, okay? Having a temptation doesn't make you a sinner. It just makes you human. See, we're told in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was tempted and yet did not sin, okay? So the moment of temptation is not the moment of defeat. But for many of us, the moment that we feel any kind of temptation, the moment that we open up that website, the moment that we open up that fridge, the moment that we click on that message, the moment of that temptation, for many of us, we feel defeat and we feel like we're stuck. But temptation is not the defeat. Having temptation, it, it does not make you a sinner. It just means you're human. See, and James tells us, and it's really, really important how he talks about trials and temptations. And he says in verse 12, he says, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So in this context, when James says blessed, he is writing to those Jewish Christians who are spread out through the Roman empire. He is writing to the early church saying, you are blessed. Why are you blessed? Because you are in the family of God. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus, you are rescued, you are known, you are loved by the Father. See, in this, this belief, this is so important. I don't want you to miss this. The belief about whether or not you are loved and accepted by God goes a long way to how you fight and deal with temptations in your life. Here's what I mean. Many of us, the reason we go after things, the reason that we buy things, the reason we click on that, the reason we eat that, the reason that we start to move into that kind of exciting conversation with that coworker is because we are looking for love and acceptance. We are looking to be wanted. And the gospel says you are already loved and accepted and wanted. Now, here's what this also means. When it comes to fighting temptation, when it comes to confession, when it comes to dealing with those dark places in our hearts, many of us do not start from the place that God loves and accepts you. We start from the place that God is indifferent to us. God hates us. God looks at us with disgust. And James says, no, 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 you are blessed. You are blessed. And I don't want you to miss this because the foundation 
of this, when it comes to moving towards freedom in our lives from the things that we wish we didn't do, the things we wish we didn't feel, it starts with, do you believe that God loves you, that God wants you, that God accepts you? Or do you believe that God is angry at you, disappointed in you, at worst indifferent to you? See, your belief about God goes a long way to determining what freedom looks like for you and whether or not you ever get there. Almost every single person that I've ever talked to who is struggling with something, when I say, do you believe that God loves and accepts you? Do you know what they say? I don't know. I want to. Someone will say no. Now, if we don't believe that God loves and accepts us, we cannot see on the other side of our struggle. We cannot see what God is taking us towards. We cannot see the good thing that God has for us. See, the truth, the gospel of Jesus says you are loved and wanted. You are loved and wanted. That's what the gospel is. That's the whole message of the gospel. You are loved and wanted. What if you lived your life from that place of being loved and wanted instead of looking to be loved and wanted? What if he knew that you're loved and wanted? See, James says, blessed is he or she who endures trials. And trials, as we've seen in, this, in the book of James, is, is a big theme in James. And he's gonna connect trials and temptations here in a moment, which is really crucial. But the reason he connects these is because it is important for us to understand the intensity of trials and temptations. Now, we understand the intensity of trials. We understand the difficulty of trials. We understand the difficulty and the intensity of hard seasons of feeling like we are pummeled by life. But many of us, when, we, when it comes to fighting temptation, we do not have the intensity that we need for temptation. Like here's part of our problem. Many of us, like when the apostle Paul talks about fighting temptation, he talks about putting on the armor of God. And he talks about picking up your sword and your shield. We don't, we don't think about fighting temptation that way. We just kind of go, you know, I, I just really wish that I just didn't do that. But you know, I'm, I'm, still gonna, I'm still gonna go to that place with them. I'm still gonna go there. You know, I wish I could, you know, I, I, we'll, take, we'll take kind of all the different big temptations, okay? Right? I, I wish I could stop buying things I can't afford. But you know what, I'm gonna keep my 15 credit cards. That's not an intensity. That's not an intensity. Like I remember talking to a guy one time and he said to me, he said, hey, he said, you know what? He said, you know, for years I struggled with porn. And I said, well, you know, what are you doing to fight it? He goes, you know, I don't have a smartphone. I don't have a computer in my house. See, that's intensity. See, we come to temptation and we go, well, I'll try. I'll see if I have willpower. And then the person says, hey, did you hear what she did? Tell me. Why? Because your willpower runs out. Let me make this observation about temptation for a moment. My guess is, because this is true of me, so it's probably true of you as well. Whatever temptation you have probably has a few things in common. One, you feel tempted at a similar time each day. Okay? Feel tempted at a similar time each day. It's probably when it's late, when you're tired, your willpower's run out. You think, you know, it's been a long day. I probably deserve this. Need to blow off some steam, okay? It probably involves the same room or the same place, okay? You feel tempted at the same place. 
same people. Okay, so here's one for me. For me, I, I love control. Like control is like a warm blanket for me. The moment that life feels out of control for me is the moment that I know temptation's right around the corner for me. Now you might go, that's not the same for you. That's great. But the moment that you feel like you're not being approved by other people, temptation's right around the corner for you. Maybe for you, it's comfort. You just love comfort. But the moment that you feel uncomfortable, temptation's right around the corner for you. See, temptation doesn't sneak up on us. As James tells us, he says in verse 13, he says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil. And he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. See, in the midst of a trial and temptation, it's easy for us to blame God or other people. It's easy for us to blame other people for our temptations. Okay, I have talked to countless guys. Okay, I'm, gonna talk, I'm just gonna talk to, about guys for a moment. I've talked to countless men who struggle with porn and this is what they tell me. If my wife was more available, I wouldn't struggle with porn. That's a lie. The Bible says that your temptation doesn't come from outside of you, but from in you. The temptation that you feel comes from within you. It doesn't matter what that person does, what that person wears, what that person says. The temptation to gossip comes from within you. How do I know? Well, yeah, but Josh, but they were just talking, but you didn't stop them. The temptation comes from within us, James says. It comes from our evil desire. The temptation to get angry, to lash out at people, that comes from within you. Yeah, but if they weren't so stupid, like if they hadn't done that, I mean, Josh, like if they hadn't, I mean, seriously, like they deserved it comes from within you. You had a choice in that moment. You had a choice in that moment. You had a choice in the moment to sit down and click on that. You had the choice in the moment to open the fridge and take that third dessert. You had a choice in the moment. Our temptation, and James echoes the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, what is in us is what comes out of us. Our evil desire is what's in us. Now, here's the thing. For many of us, we don't like to think that we have an evil desire. Okay, and this gets us into so much, so many problems when it comes to temptations. Because many, some of you right now are just going, I don't know that I'm evil. I don't know that I have an evil desire in me. Let me give you an example. I want you to think of like a really cute, like the cutest two-year-old you've ever seen in your life. Okay, like the absolute cutest two-year-old. Have you ever seen a parent teach that cute, cuddly, chubby two-year-old have you ever seen a parent teach that two-year-old to say no? Anybody? Anybody ever see that parent teach them to say mine? No. Now, when it's not your two-year-old, that's super cute. When they're defiant, that's adorable when it's not yours, right? You're just like, oh, that's so cute. They said mine. Look at that. Mine, mine, mine. They're like the seagull and Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. What is, what is that? That's their evil desire coming out. And when you're a parent, you know it. I mean, you're just like, oh, man, like that. Ugh. Like, have you ever taken that three-year-old, that four-year-old, that teenager to the cereal aisle, to the candy aisle? Like right now, I can't get through the energy drink aisle with my teenagers. Right? All of us have this. All of us have evil desire in us. The problem is most of us don't know what our evil desire could actually do to destroy our lives. 
And that's the problem. And so when we don't think, when we don't think that our evil desire can lead to death, we sure get temptation. We go, what's the big deal? Not hurting anybody. I mean, like, we're consenting adults. It's my life. But the reality is there's always somebody on the other side of your life. There's always somebody who's picking up the pieces of your life. There's always somebody who feels the ramifications of your life. And there's usually somebody that gets destroyed by the ramifications of your life. And the reason you know this is because you, you know people who've done this. You know people who have lost jobs because they couldn't stop drinking. You know people who got foreclosed on because they couldn't stop gambling. You know people whose marriage got destroyed because they couldn't stop looking at porn. And if we don't think that we have an evil desire in us that could potentially destroy things and lead to death, we'll shrug at temptation. We'll go, what's the big deal? But the reality is, is that worst thing about you, that thing that you just hope no one ever finds out about you, that thing that you like keep hidden to make sure no one knows, that thing keeps you from being the best of you. And even if no one knows, you know. And for a lot of us, it just eats us alive. It just destroys us. So the first question James has for us is, what is the evil desire in you that can destroy you and lead to death? What is that thing? And here's the thing. I've seen it in my life. It, it, it actually kind of shifted, but it, it all has that commonality of control for me. See, part of my story is when I was 11, I was in sixth grade and I went to a, a sleepover at Ian's house, a friend of mine from middle school, and uh, we were down in the basement. And Ian's dad, um, because it was Ian's 11th birthday, brought down this cardboard box and threw it down the ground. It's 1990. And he said, well, it's time for you guys to start learning about this. You're old enough now. I had no idea what was in the box. We walked over to the box. We opened it up. And it's just a, it was just a box of porn. It was just videos, magazines. I didn't even know it existed. Okay? I'm 11. There's no internet. No one had a smartphone. And I was like, whoa. Like, I had no idea what to do in this moment. We're all just sitting there. Well, that began for me a, a decades-long struggle and addiction that went into our marriage. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I started to fight through and really trying to find accountability related to porn, slowly my addiction to porn shifted to an addiction to food. Now, here's the funny thing. As I went, okay, because in about a year's time, I gained about 100 pounds, okay? Do you know what no one in my, like, guys' small group said? No one said, hey, like, it's, like, are you okay? No, we actually celebrated that I didn't look at porn anymore, but I, no one said anything about food. So for me, it was an addiction. Like food was totally an addiction for me. It was what I went to when life felt out of control. It was what I went to when, when I just wanted to feel something. And that's what addiction does. But here's the thing is that until I figured out what is actually behind that, what is the evil desire that leads to that? You just stay stuck and bounce from one thing. It's like this whole idea of like, uh, like thinking about it like the vending machine of sins. Like if you don't know what's the evil desire, you're just gonna pull on the lever and pull on the lever. So what is the evil desire for you? And if you don't know, if you're brave enough, you could ask your spouse or somebody close to you in your group or friends, because they, they know. 
They know what the evil desire that can destroy you. But we don't want to talk about the evil desire that could destroy us. Because we're afraid if we do, we may not be accepted. We may not be wanted. God may walk away from us. That's what we think. That's what we think. What did I say before? The gospel of Jesus says you are loved and wanted. The gospel of Jesus says you are loved and wanted. The gospel of Jesus says that there is nothing you can do for God to walk away. There's nothing for you to do for God to say, I don't want you. There's nothing that you can do. See, James tells us when we're tempted, we're drawn away. What, what are we drawn away from? We're drawn away from God. We're drawn away from God's love for us and his desires for us. We're drawn away from God's vision for us. When we're tempted and we give in the temptation, we're trading God's best for less. This is why, if you're taking notes, I don't want you to miss this, that every trial that you walk through, every moment of trial has the potential for temptation or victory. Every trial you walk through, okay? Every difficult relationship that you have that is a trial in that moment is, a, is the option has the potential for you to be tempted to move into gossip, the tempted to move into bitterness, tempted to move into resentment and getting back at them, or to move into victory. Every time you have a hard day, that's a trial, okay? Every time at the end of that hard day, you have the potential, and you know this because you have done it, the potential for temptation or the potential for victory. Every moment, every moment of hurt feelings, every moment of loneliness, every moment of pain, Every moment in your life, every trial is a potential for temptation or a potential for victory. But what do we do? Because this feels a little bit hopeless. And James tells us in verse 16, he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. This is really important because when we fall into temptation, the one of the main things that happens when we fall into that temptation is we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We tell ourselves, this is gonna be okay. No one's gonna know. I deserve it. We deceive ourselves and we're really good at it. You can talk yourself into anything. We're really good at it. But then there's that little voice of the Holy Spirit that kind of speaks. We're like, no, 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 no. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I got it. I got it. We deceive ourselves. He says, don't be deceived. For every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creations. See, when we sin, when we give in to temptation, we are believing that God is holding out on us. We are believing that God is not giving us good gifts. We are believing a lie. And I love how he says, how he connects it to the word of truth, that our new life comes from the word of truth. This is why what we say to ourselves, what we talk ourselves into is so powerful and important. Like take food. Food is meant to be a good gift for us to enjoy. It is meant for us to sit back and take a long meal, to be with friends and family, to laugh till it hurts. That's, the, that's what food is meant to. That is a gift from God. And yet we take that gift and we change it and we gorge and we, we eat really fast in the car and we take that gift and say, ah, it's not a good gift. The same thing happens with relationships. The same thing, you know, this good gift of relationships. And what do we do? We destroy it with gossip. 
We destroy it with control. We destroy it by pushing people to live their dreams out that we didn't get to. We say, just, you know, you live out my dream. Same thing happens with porn. The reason many people struggle with porn, and this is not just like a man thing, like porn, the numbers of women now, when it comes to porn, it, it just continues to go up. The average age for a, a child who sees porn for the first time is eight, okay? So if you're a parent and you don't have a plan when it comes to your child's sexuality and porn and what that's gonna be like when it comes to the internet and their smartphones and all of that, Snapchat and whatever else they're gonna come up with next, if you don't have a game plan, you are setting your child up to, to fail. And I know you're thinking, there's no way my child would do that. But they have an evil desire. And the reason that you know that is because you have an evil desire. And what we do is, is we take this good gift of intimacy. And intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is closeness. Intimacy is shared experience. We take this good gift of intimacy and we destroy it with porn. We destroy it with selfishness. And these good gifts... See, when we look at things in our world, the reason we fall into temptations is because we don't believe it's a good gift from God. We believe what we want will be better. What we want will be more, more fulfilling. No, what we want is just shorter, faster, and it's just for us. It's just selfish. See, because every trial has the potential for temptation or victory. So you might be wondering, because we spent this entire time talking about the pitfall. So how do you actually move to victory? Well, one, the first thing is to figure out what is it that can destroy your life? And you might think there's, no, there's nothing in my world that could destroy my life. That's not true. <laughs> That's just not true. I remember we had a guy in our church in Tucson and, and he's, you know, I, I, I gave a message like this and he came up to me and he's like, hey, you know what? I, I struggle with porn, but like, it's not gonna destroy my life. Like he was confident of that. Few weeks later, he came in and he's like, hey, so I lost my job. And I was like, what happened? He said, I was looking at porn at work. I said, so what now? He goes, I don't know. And he looked at me and he said, I wish I would have realized it could destroy my life. See, the way to victory is a really simple idea. And it's something that you see on a regular basis. It's something every time that you drive on a highway, that you go over a bridge, drive up a mountain and you see it. It's a very simple idea. It's a guardrail. Every time you go up a mountain, you see it. If you're out west, you see it all over the place. You see them around the curves. Now, have you ever noticed with a guardrail that a guardrail is not in the danger zone? Okay? Guardrails are built in the safety zone. They're built that if you run into the guardrail, they're in the safety zone. They're not built at the edge of the cliff. They're built in from the cliff. In the same way, here's how we think about temptation many times. I remember working with students, and you think this is adults. This isn't just students who think this. But we think, how far can I go? How far can I go without sinning? How much can I do? Like, how much can I eat before it's like a food addiction? Like, how much, do I, how much can I drink before, like, I'm an alcoholic? How much can I gamble before like that's actually a problem and I need to pay attention to like the hotline at the bottom of the article and the advice? 
Well, one, if you're asking that, it's probably a problem. But two, when we ask that, here's what we're asking, or here's what we're really saying. I'm, I'm still going to sin. Still going to do it. So you place a guardrail in the safety zone before you get to that place. See, a guardrail says, this thing is a temptation for me. This moment, this place, these people, this situation. Like take family, for example, okay? So probably at some point over the holidays, you're with family and friends and something happened, somebody said something and you were tempted to get really angry. You could feel your blood boiling. You could just feel like you were ready to lash out, okay? Like you were tempted to do that. Here's my guess. My guess is that it, that is not the first time that that has happened to you. My guess is that somewhere along the way, that same parent, in-law, aunt or uncle or cousin, sibling probably has said that thing before and you felt your blood boil, you felt your veins start to pop out and you were like, I need to go take a walk. It's probably not the first time that happened. That's a thing. That's a temptation. The, we have to say, what, what do I put a guardrail around? Maybe for you, it's a guardrail of saying, I'm not gonna have any credit cards because I'm tired of buying things I can't afford. Maybe for you, it's saying I'm actually gonna have things, restrictions on all of my devices. Someone's gonna know about it. I remember years ago, I was with this group of pastors and we were sitting there and somebody was talking about a video that they had seen of, it was like some sports thing. So I said, oh, like send it to me. So they sent it to me and I, went and I clicked on it and it wouldn't open on YouTube. And the one guy was like, is your phone okay? And I said, yeah, it's actually the restrictions that I have on my phone. I was like, so just tell me about it. It was like some sports thing. It was actually kind of embarrassing in the moment. I remember sitting there and I, just, I got kind of embarrassed and I just kind of like, I kind of like shriveled up like you, you do when you get embarrassed. And the guy, he was, so, he was so kind. He looked at me and he was like, hey, are you all right? I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I said, I felt really weird that I opened, I said, I know I have restrictions on my phone. And I said, here's why. And I told him and, and I said, but it, it just felt a little embarrassing for like other people to know. And he goes, Josh, like, don't apologize for that. He said, because you're trying to choose life. See, and the thing is with a guardrail is they're not just keeping us from something, but they're directing us to life. So guardrails aren't just keeping us from something. They're directing us to the good gift that God has. See, and part of our problem when it comes to temptation, and this is part of what we're going to send out tomorrow in our next step email, is many of us focus solely on the temptation or I'm beating ourselves up when we fall back into it instead of also focusing on the life that God has for us and the good gifts that God has for us. See, because freedom, and, and this is our problem. So many of us have spent so much time living in this like just straight jacket of temptation and sin that we actually don't know what it's like to live in freedom without it on. And what a guardrail does is says, this thing matters so much that I don't wanna destroy my life with evil desire because you can and you've watched other people do it. And maybe you've done it. Maybe you've already destroyed your life and you're kind of picking up the pieces of it. But a guardrail says this thing matters so much that I don't want it to be destroyed. And some of us, it's generational things that have been passed down. Some of us are, are trying to break generational things where you know, your dad and your grandfather and your great-grandfather, they were all alcoholics. And you're trying to break that. You're saying this thing, it stops. But the guardrail isn't just about keeping you 
from that. It's also about directing you to what God has for you, God's best. And so here's how I, I want us to close. As, as we get ready to take communion, communion is just, it's when we as followers of Jesus remind ourselves that we are loved and wanted. Communion reminds us because we need to remind ourselves every week we, need, we come in and we need to remind ourselves God loves and wants us. But part of communion is we take a moment to, to confess to God, to come to God and say, God, these are the places of my heart. These are the places in my life that are broken that I need, I need your grace in. I need your forgiveness in. And remember, temptation doesn't make you a sinner. It just makes you human. And confession is just telling God things he already knows about us. And so as we close, as we take communion, I want to give you a moment to, to just come before God in that way, to confess before God the things that you need to tell him. And maybe for you, as you go through this week and as you check the Next Step email box tomorrow, we're going to send to you just how to think through what is it in your life that needs a guardrail? What person or relationship needs a guardrail? What place needs a guardrail? What situations needs a guardrail? And then to start thinking through, if a guardrail protects me, what is it directing me to? What good things is it directing me to? See, when we come to take communion and we say, God, this is what's broken and this is what I need help in and this is what I need forgiveness in, when we take communion and remind ourselves when Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood spilled out for you, what is on the other side of that? Freedom, the life God has for us. And so when you're ready, the band's gonna sing, uh, lead us in a song. It's a song we've sung before. It's called, I am your beloved. And it just reminds us that we are the beloved of God. And so when you're ready, after you just take whatever time you need, and maybe for you, maybe you're in a place where you just say, you know what, I just need to sit and I just need to listen to this song. I just need to, just need to, I just need to be quiet. That's you, that's okay. But when you're ready, you can get up out of your seat. We have communion down front here. There's gluten-free options at both, both tables. And then when you get back to your seat, you can take communion on your own or you can take it up here on your own. So I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna just remind ourselves that we are loved and wanted. So Father, I thank you that in your grace and goodness, you come to us. You came to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And God, many of us carry things, things that we have done, things that we do on a regular basis, things that have been done to us. And we carry those in and we wonder, God, do you love me? Do you want me? Do you pursue me? Can I be your beloved even after all of these things that I've done? Some of us have gotten to the place where we have just given up on the idea of freedom. We've just given up on the idea that it is even possible. But because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, hope is never lost. And so God, I thank you that your grace is always greater than our darkest, deepest, most secret sin. And I thank you that your best, your good, perfect gifts are better than we even imagined them to be. And so God, I pray that you would direct us through the power of your Holy Spirit to know what it is that needs a guardrail, 
to know what conversations we might need to have with people, what guardrails maybe we need to set up in our marriage or in our family with our kids. Help us to have the courage to do it. Help us to have the courage to stop going to that place, to stop being in that situation. And help us to know that that guardrail doesn't just protect us, but it directs us to what is your best in your name. Amen.